0: You have your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter twenty-three. Luke chapter twenty-three, and there in the Gospel of Luke, we we read uh, here where our Lord is crucified. And I actually want to go ahead and read this whole section because as we think on the crucifixion, I would actually like to begin um, with verse 26 of chapter 23. And I know it's a long passage, but it puts some things together and we will concentrate on a couple of the verses this morning. Hear then the word of the Lord. Luke 23, verse 26 and following. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem... Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green... What will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Him and the criminals, one on His right and one on His left. And Jesus said, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to decide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged, railed on him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And may then God add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word of God from the Gospel of Luke. Let us pray for a moment. Lord, we bow before You. We pray that You would lead in God and direct us by Your Spirit this morning in the truth of the Gospel and of the crucifixion of our Lord and in the matters in which we look at in Scripture. Guide us in the truth. Direct us in that truth always. Keep us in your care, Lord. Forgive us our sins, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In this particular instance, our, our Lord is being led away after trial to uh, His crucifixion and His death. With Him, there are two criminals that will be uh, put to death along with Jesus and uh, we see in this particular passage um, uh, the work of our Lord as he uh, as he moves forward with the atoning work upon Calvary. It uh, moves uh, to the place of the skull where he is crucified, and the two criminals with him. Uh, it is quite interesting to note uh, that in our Lord's crucifixion, uh, the culmination of his work there on the cross. Uh, that, that there are uh, essentially a number of folk uh, who have intensified uh, against the Lord. Uh, as you look here, there are a number that are um, railing upon the Lord. You find that the people uh, who have come, there's a great multitude that are following. And sometimes uh, when there's an emergency or there's an event occurring, uh, sometimes people get quite interested in what's going on. And there was a great multitude that were following Jesus. And um, uh, at the cross, when he is being crucified, they they actually give him insult. You know, they they say, well, he saved others. I, I, and I think it's ironic even the words that the, the people say in the light of uh, the dying thief today whom he saves. Um, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Uh, in one sense, aren't you glad that he didn't save himself? Um, there the crowd kind of turns and they hurl insults at him. They, they, like others, wanted to see a sign. They, they wanted to see something marvelous, but this time they didn't get it in that sense of what they wanted. And then, of course, there are the soldiers and it's quite remarkable how, uh, uh their acts, the acts of the crowd and, The acts of the soldiers make it worse. Uh, Our Lord is being crucified and is dying. And they offer him sour wine, which will cause his pain to be even greater. And they mock him and say, well, save yourself. And, of course, you've got to remember uh, that they were Romans. And, of course, they wielded great power. And uh, if this man claimed to be a savior, a redeemer, uh, certainly then they it was must have been said out of mockery. Uh, Save yourself. How about a little wine, uh, in your situation? And, uh, their full thought was that he would never certainly be able to save himself. And they knew that putting him to death. And, uh, of course, you, you see, uh, around the cross the two criminals. And, uh, there's a passage in Matthew that speaks, uh, to, to that. And it's quite interesting what it says. It says, um, In verse 38, at that time two robbers were crucified with Him, one on the right and one on the left. And then it says at the end of this section, and the robbers also who had been crucified with Him were casting the same insult at Him. Now, I want you to catch that because what does it say about the two criminals that were being crucified with Him? That both were insulting the Lord initially in terms of uh, His being crucified. Now, the quite interesting thing about our Lord is that as He's on the cross, He's very interesting, He's he's dying and what does He do? Well, he, He prays to His Father. I find that quite interesting. If you ever find yourself in that situation where you are close, may the Lord find us praying. And what does the Lord pray for? He doesn't. He doesn't pray for retribution for harm, that type of thing. He says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Um, I find that quite interesting, expressing the righteous character of our Savior, who gave Himself for us. The only one who could give Himself rightly for us in redemption. Aren't you glad that He was praying righteously? And praying in that way, even as he hung upon the cross that he was praying for us. Um, there were a lot of people around him, around him insulting him that day, wasn't it? A lot of, lot of people. Uh, just the fullness. Of, I, I noticed that, that it seems to represent the, the fallenness of man. Kind the, of the gang mentality. And they're all around. And there seem to be so many that were insulting the Lord, but I was reminded by one writer that we should have been aware of the myriads of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels who were also present, who with just one word, the Lord would have been delivered and this creation would have dissolved instantly. I love what the prophet said to the servant boy. There are more of us than there are of them. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) There are more of us than there are of them. Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And the servant boy's eyes are opened. And he sees the angels of the Lord encamped in the valley at Jerusalem. And the next day, you remember what happens the next day? The next day, the whole camp Uh, of the enemy is gone. There are more of us than of them. Again, all the Lord had to say was just one word, just one nod. And He could have been delivered. And I like what the writer said. It, It wasn't that God couldn't come off that cross. The issue was that He wouldn't. Because the work was greater in His sovereign knowledge in terms of our deliverance. And so God in His mercy uh, is hanging upon the cross and He prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I find it very interesting in the midst of this intense um, hurl of insult against the very reality of being crucified, um, and two criminals beside him who were both insulting him. Something happened. And one of those criminals lies before he died. I'm amazed at how instantly, how quickly God saves. And, and I hope that that strikes you this morning. That this man who was a criminal who had just previously been hurling insults at the Lord to save him and himself too, something happened. Something happened to that man just before he died. Isn't that amazing, the time frame of this man's (laughs) conversion and salvation? Uh, He never gets to... Join the church Israel. <laughs> he never gets to come up front with his family. Uh, he doesn't get to get baptized. He, he doesn't, he doesn't enjoy the Lord's table. Not once. But hanging upon a cross like Christ, he turns to the Lord. I think sovereignly by the grace of God. This man was saved because of God's great love. I think also as a testimony to us. And oftentimes this passage has been used to say, see, you can wait right up to the last minute. <laughs> and uh, you can call upon Christ. Uh, but we never know when the last minute is, do we? We, we need to be ready. Um, I marvel how quickly this man is saved before he takes his last breath of the margin and that should give us all hope and we should give ear to it this morning but i tell you what we should never use this lesson of the dying thief as an excuse not to repent and turn to the lord now it is great that this dying thief was saved in the last breath. Don't you rejoice in that, of God's ability to save? I marvel over that, but I pray that you and, you and I will never interpret this passage. As you see, I can wait. It's okay. You, I've got plenty of time. I hope you never interpret that passage this way. But I tell you, I hope you hear it as a call for you to come to Christ now and serve Him now. As He's given you His Word about what happened into a man's life who wasted most of his life in sin and in his last breath knows the Lord. I hope it's the other way around for you. I hope that you take this as a lesson of a call to Christ now and that you have many good years serving Him and that He brought you to your senses and brought you to your spiritual heart of need now not later, now, so that you can say when you come to that time and you take your last breath, you can say what? Thank you, Lord, for your grace in my life. But we do rejoice in God's work of salvation, uh, even in this dying thief. Lived a very difficult life, didn't he? And yet God in His mercy saves. The work of the Holy Spirit you see here at the cross. The Father's great love in sending His Son and keeping the covenant of His promise of salvation from Genesis from all eternity for us. And you see the Lord Himself hanging upon the cross, paying the price for sin. And all of a sudden, there at the cross, you see the Holy Spirit work in the heart of a thief hanging right next to Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, at the cross of Christ. An amazing thing to see. Because what changed that thief's heart? What happened? To him. The Spirit must have been working on him. And like the rest of the world, he goes along with the crowd in terms of the insults, the insults. But as he's being nailed to his own cross, he's probably thinking, well, this is what I deserve. He may have been thinking, Lord, um, all of this is coming to a close now, isn't it, in my life? There must have been some serious thoughts in the mind of that man that was being crucified along with the Lord. And somehow there was a change. There was all of a sudden a soberness of thought. As perhaps for the first time he, he sees uh, the Lord... Dragging a cross and then someone else taking that cross. And all of a sudden, this man being crucified with them. And, and I think maybe one of the thoughts was, well, this man's not like us. He, he, he's not one of us. <laughs> he's not like us. <laughs> and he's, he's being crucified today. He's not like us. But isn't it appropriate that Isaiah writes in Isaiah 53 concerning Jesus and His identification with us, Therefore I will allot Him a portion with the great and He will divide the booty with the strong because He poured out Himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Did you hear it? And He was numbered with the transgressors. Yet He Himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Jesus was where He needed to be as God-man. He there hung upon the cross with the transgressors. Somehow in the heart, by the grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in this man, Becomes very real. And one thing we may say, and if we miss it, we miss a very important part of this man being saved in the last moment. Some people just want to stop there and not go further. But was that all that happened in that man's life in those last few moments of his life? No, uh, there was a coming to his own senses. Remember the one who um, squandered his father's possessions. And I love, as he said in the pig pen, it says what? He came to his senses. <laughs> when did the Holy Spirit bring you to your senses about your need? See, let's identify it. Who is at work in this context? The one who brings us to an awareness of ourself. If we miss the dying thief's repentance of the grace of God given to him to turn to the Lord. We will miss the whole message of the dying thief being saved in the last moment. Listen, the dying thief was saved in the last moment, but not without faith and repentance toward the Lord. Never. If you look carefully at this man... Uh, something changes. All of a sudden his, uh, his, uh, cohort on the other side is railing upon Jesus, insulting him. Uh, if you are the son of God, save yourself and what? Us too. Isn't that like us in our sin? Lord, I'm in trouble. Save that other person and save me too. <laughs> I'm sorry I got caught. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Lord, help us not to, uh, to even breathe such a type of Repentance, Give us godly repentance toward you. And, and, and it's it's a character of, of repentance that doesn't change. It is required for each one of us. And uh, all of a sudden, as we come to verse 40, 40 it says, But the other answered and rebuking, rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Uh, there is something that happens that there is an awareness of God in his condition. And what does he say to this other thief who is hurling insults? And it could have been applied to the whole situation around the cross. Don't you fear God? And listen, that should be a message proclaimed today to the world in which we're presently living. Don't you fear God? You, you mean, don't you fear God? You mean you have the heart and the mind to go about all that and you don't have any fear of God? You see, that's what's been lost to say. It's it's fine to have a motto, in God we trust, but it's another thing to know that reality. You should live before the Lord every day in fear and trembling. You should be concerned about who God is and what He thinks about situation. Well, Pastor Barnes, what do you think about that situation? Well, listen, my concern is what does God think about this situation? <laughs> and I wish more and more and pray for revival that among the people of God we will have a greater sense of His holiness and His righteousness he will have a work in us such that he will draw us ever more to an awareness of his presence daily don't don't you even fear don't you even fear god he says to this other man something is happening in this man's life isn't it and it's good But the other answered and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And there's been an awareness of the distinction between him and between this one that is being crucified between them. He is now allowed to see a difference. There is a difference between this man and me. And he sees it in the life of the other criminal as well. Don't you fear God since we are under the same sentence of condemnation and this man is receiving the same sentence that we deserve and yet he don't deserve it. And God gave him the ability to see that, the difference. There's something different about this man. He doesn't deserve this. God puts it together for him, doesn't he, in the Holy Spirit. And he says in his repentance, did you notice the elements of it? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. There are two things that this thief acknowledges in that context, what? Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving His displeasure, without hope, except through His sovereign mercy, do you? (laughs) Amen. This man was brought to awareness of himself. And it comes to light that he is dying rightly. This is... This is what we've earned. For the wages of sin is the wages of sin is death, and this man knew it real. It was real, real, because he was about to take his last breath. And it, but it'd been an awful thing. Well, you know, the Roman soldiers were mean to me. <laughs> uh, this just wasn't right. Uh, this was a terrible thing. Boy, you know, they they didn't let me go. Oh, this, this man says, you need to quit insulting this man because you and I are getting what we earned. You and I committed the sin, the crime, and we're justly being punished by the state for what we did. But this man didn't do any of that. Deep down inside, there was a recognition and acknowledgement of the Son of God in the punishment that he was receiving. And it touched his heart. There was an awareness. There was a knowledge in his mind and his heart of what was going on. And I'm amazed uh, at this acknowledgement of repentance and um, toward the Lord, and He is there hanging on the cross. I can't help but think that even as this thief looked at Jesus upon the cross, there must have been something there too. I I don't know that. That's my opinion. But as, as Jesus was dying and this thief was transformed by the grace of God, And he says to Jesus, Jesus, I like that, the one who saves. <laughs> Jesus, the one who saves. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, Would um, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was a short prayer, wasn't it? But a prayer of faith and repentance doesn't take much when it is genuine. Amen? When the heart is transformed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, I know you're a king. And I know you're a savior. And I know that you're being punished unjustly. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, just when you get there, when you get there, Lord, just back there in your mind, have a thought of me. Would you please... Don't you love that prayer of repentance? <laughs> Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Listen, if you ever come to that point when you don't know what to say, sometimes there are some good words in Scripture, isn't it? For the Lord knows the heart. And may the Lord give you the words to say that are right in your prayer of faith and repentance toward Him. Lord, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And I love what, uh, what Jesus says. Uh, the, the work of repentance. Jesus, uh, even in the face of His suffering, atoning for sin and suffering, and He turns to this, uh, this dying thief and He says what? Today, you shall be with Me in paradise. And i tell you what, Jesus didn't say tomorrow or at the end of the millennium. He didn't say next year. He didn't say when the Lord comes back again. What does He tell this criminal today? you shall be with me in paradise. You see, I think that that's a strong statement with regard to a defense of the intermediate state. Would you agree? That when, I think it's a great encouragement to all of us who are living in this world, that we have the full assurance in Christ that the time we take our last breath, as the Apostle Paul declares in Philippians, to be absent from the body is what? You know it. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is a, a time where the intermediate state, the soul, is with the Lord. And by the way, you should pay close attention. Uh, we say the Apostles' Creed, and we have to be careful. Uh, we know it says in the Apostles' Creed that he descended into hell. Now, that that can be misleading, can it, if you're not careful? Um, uh, because uh, the Lord did pay the price for sin, And he did die bodily, but you see, the soul of the Lord will never die. And at the moment of that death, his soul, along with that criminal, (laughs) went back to heaven. The Lord of glory never dies. Today, you will be with who? With me. Did he say three days from now? Three days from now. No, no, Jesus said today you will be with me in paradise today. There are so many people who believe things like soul sleep. You know, there's this long period where we die and we just lay and lay and lay and lay and lay. And it's just a blank period until the Lord comes back. Not so. One of the worst heresies that have ever been proclaimed upon God's people. No, my dear friends, we have the full joy and assurance that our loved ones are with the Lord. Now. Immediately. Instantly. One breath here. New breath there. Amen. Isn't that a great assurance? Aren't you happy about that? Those of us who leave the congregation and we go home to be with the Lord, we're in a better place. Some people always say that. He's in a better place. Well, in Christ, you will be. You will be. Instantly. Not later. And I love the picture of Thessalonians. And isn't it amazing? Just so that you'll sure that they're with the Lord, the Thessalonians had a concern Um what happens to those who die in Christ before the return of the Lord? Uh, are, are they in a difficult situation? They miss the coming of the Lord. What, what about them who die in the Lord before the coming of the Lord? And I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. And he says in verse 13 and following, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, as the rest of the world that has no hope. For we believe, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Him. Even so, Thessalonians, those dear ones are not missing out on something. As a matter of fact, when the Lord comes, He's going to bring them with Him, their souls with Him. They're going to be with Him. In His return. And listen, isn't it wonderful that it says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Aren't you glad those words are there in Scripture? Concerning the state of believers after they die. You and I should be very thankful that the Lord saves dying thieves. And such we were. God in His mercy brought us to our senses. Gave us the gift of faith and repentance toward the Lord. We are getting the just reward for what we've done. Have you ever wanted to blame God for your mess ups? Have you ever done that before? Me too. We justly receive what we're getting. But this man has done nothing. Aren't you glad that the Lord brings us by the work of the Spirit to our senses before we reach that point? What an opportunity you have to hear the gospel of Christ and His saving work sovereignly in the life of His people and the comfort that He brings for those who leave this world in Him. May the Lord be with you. May, as John Calvin says, may you know yourself and may you know your God and His salvation in Christ. May the Lord be with you. Lead you always, even to the time you leave here, to the time you are where the thief is and you go home. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. Let's pray together. Lord, we are amazed at this passage of Scripture. Recorded in the folds of your word uh, that we might see and hear. Lord, how you worked in the life of this man. And Father, that old song is certainly right. The dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in that day. And there though I, as vile as he, Wash all my sins away. Lord, indeed, indeed, wash all our sins away. In His name and in His finished work we pray. Amen.